four times Wagadu rose and four times Wagadu fell. Four times it lured strangers to fall under its spell. Four times it taught a lesson, four times with different things. This tale is a caution of what a vain man can bring. That won't do, will it? I can see it in your eyes, stranger, that glint, that spark of morbid curiosity. You want to know the fate of Wagadu, and most importantly, the man responsible for its demise. Well, let me tell you then, the story of Wagadu. I was born into a long line of great men, yet I was greater than all of them together. My name is Gasir, son of Ganamba and heir to Dayara. In the days of my king and in the days of my forefathers, there was no such thing as warfare. They were proud men and each battle was a personal affair. Those were the days of the finest swordsmen. They were swift and precise, but their battle were more than just disputes over land. They were performances. These knights, Horo as we call them in my tongue, brought both sword and pride to their duels. The Horo would wield two swords, one in each hand. A flurry of blows struck by a Horo was as beautiful as it was deadly. My father, King Anamba, brought all of Fasa under his control. He and his noblemen challenged champion after champion, chief after chief, until at last there were none to challenge them. But many decades have passed since. My father is old, his horror, just as old. And the world despises that which is old. An old tree dies when its roots can no longer support its weight. How can a kingdom thrive? when at its root is an aging king. But my father comes from a proud breed of men. To them, acknowledging that the glory days had passed was akin to a shameful death. So they clung to power, but now sent men to fight for them. No longer were battles contested between champions, but by full armies. I say I was greater than my forefathers, for I have slain more men than there are thorns on a bush. When the nomad tribe harass our walls, it is my name that the men chant. When the enemy rain down arrows on our towns with the furor of a sandstorm, it is under my shield that the men seek refuge. Who then is King Anamba? When it is Gasir that rolls back the onslaughts of the nomadic tribes. Such was the question I posed to our diviner, Kiekuru. Jaco knows at your heart, young prince. In battle, your eyes are clouded by blood lost. But at night, when no dying man's voice can drown 
the demon's voices in your head, they hound. You will awake and contemplate the king's death that you may claim to wear with pride the old king's crown. I seek only that which is my birthright. The king makes me fight for our people, yet he basks in the glory due to me. Speak plainly, Kikoro. When will the king die? Like Wakadu, the king will fade to memory. You'll never wear his crown, his shield, nor weaponry. For yours is an untimely death. Getting a loot, you'll release your last breath. As you can imagine, I had half a mind to slap some sense into the old fool. And yet, he had more to say. The truth you seek in the field you'll find. From a hen's beak, your fate divined. I left the diviner enraged. My fate will be divined by hens. Did this crazy old man call me a coward by insinuating I can speak chicken? Ha! How I would prove him wrong! The next day, the nomadic tribes threw themselves against at their walls. I had a rage that thirsted for blood like drought for water. I told my men, hold back. And alone, I ran to meet our enemy. On that day, I made many widows, orphans, and childless parents. I wove between spears, slashing my sword. No blade could touch me. I dove, I ducked, I sidestepped. Each enemy blow met the air, my shield, or even one of their own. I saw men, full with beard, cry. I saw men soil their garments. Yet my blade knew no mercy. I slashed and hacked, I cut and thrust, and in the end, I watered the desert with blood like the first rain of summer. The nomads, the Bordama, they called me Damo. The devil spirit that in a frenzy possesses wicked men to do wicked things. But my men, they called me hero. Never before had any men seen such a feat of violence. In a single day, I slew more men than my father and his knights in their lifetime. On the path towards her home, I saw a flock of guinea hen, and behold, I could understand what they said. They spoke of the fate to befall Wagadu, of the fate to befall myself. The hen I saw stood proud with a snake at its feet. The hen battled the snake and triumphed over it. Hear my tale of battle and vanquish, of hard-earned scars, wounds, and anguish. For when all passes, is lost and finished, only the Dowsey remembers the vanished. The words of the hen made sense to me. The tale promised death, but that only the Dowsey would survive. Kekoro, I have heard the hens of the field. They warned me that all must die and 
Only the Dowsi will survive. What is the Dowsi? And where can I learn this power? Ah, Gasir. You rushed to meet your fate. The Dowsi was a sacred chant of warriors of yore. A song imbued with magic that brought back to life the heroisms of old. These men, the Aru, they brought no swords to the battlefield, only their lutes. As they plucked their strings, they sang a song, the Daosi, and the Daosi struck terror into the hearts of their enemies. The old king of Fassa, the line from which her father descends, could never sing the Daosi. As long as the Jiaru sung the Daosi, no sword could harm them. But their fame crowded their judgment. They drank every evening after a day's worth of battle. The following day, they would be tired and have more and more difficulty singing. At last, exhaustion claimed them. And then came the day they could no longer sing. That day, the Knights of Fassa slaughtered every last one of them. No man was left that could pluck the strings of a lute. This is a formidable power. Where can I learn it? It is not you who plays the instrument, but it is the lute that sings through you. It is said that there is one last surviving smith who still has knowledge of how to make a lute. But Where can I find this smith? I must learn the power of the Dowsi. Ah, Gasir. You rushed to meet your fate. The Diaru and the Dowsi were no weapons to slay enemies. They did not fight to brandish spears under the sun, but to win the lovers who quietly whisper in the night. The day you learn the Dowsi, you will drive your enemies away. The Wagadu will fall on that same day. By the time my father was king, there was no Diaru. The sword he brandished and the enemies he challenged, all were inconsequential men compared to the powers the Dasi would bring. Ah, how enamored I was with the prospect of learning the ancient songs. For weeks, I would battle during the day and then seek the smith at night. I would ask every man who carried iron, who had smelt their metal. They would point me to a smith, and never would the smith be the man I sought. One night, as I was readying myself to abandon all hopes of finding the smith, I stumbled upon a small furnace nestled between ordinary houses. Excuse me, stranger, but I seek the smith who works in this shop. And who might you be? I am your prince, Gasir. That does not answer the question. It only tells me what you are. Who are you, Prince Gasir? I did not know how to answer the man's question. What manner of strange speech was this? At least it confirmed my doubts that this might be the man I had sought for the past weeks. His shop was small, cramped, with little lighting. 
what they found on the smith's face were hard lines with hard scars. His hands were leathers, roughed, but moved with surprising grace. The smith was sewing a pattern on a piece of leather, cut to be worn. Never mind that. We live in the age of vanity. No man remembers himself. Only that which he wishes others to say of him. I've heard that you've been seeking me for some time now. Go in peace. I will make you the loot you wish for. I left the smith's shop feeling a surge of hope. At last, I would be able to bask in a glory my father could never know. I went home, and for the first time in weeks, I slept. Next day was more of the same. Only this time, I knew my days wielding the sword were counted. Soon I would play the lute, sing the dowsi, and watch full armies flee as I struck terror in their hearts. When I returned to the smiths, the lute was ready, and behold, what a sight! Finely crafted, it was no ordinary instrument. The base was a large calabash with a hide stretched over it. Intricate patterns for the nails held the leather pinned fast to the calabash. Two rods protruded from the calabash, flanking the long wooden neck that held the strings. Your people will not remember, but mine called it a kora. I held the instrument in my hand, contemplating the smith's work. Truly a beautiful instrument. This is truly an item worthy of praise. This is no ordinary Kura. It is one made for the Daosi. Therefore, the instrument will not sing until you have given it to soul, a song to be sung. Carry your loot with you to battle. Let the blood of your enemies, of your friends, and of your family water this instrument like rain does the desert. Sleep with the instrument. Eat with the instrument. Carry it by your side in all your waking hours. For only once the lute knows you will it sing the Dowsi. The smith's words confused me, but I trusted him. When I plugged the strings of the instrument, no sound would come. I was astonished, but chose to trust the smith. In the next battle, I felt confident. I told my men to hold back and witness the dawn of a new age. I called my eldest son to partake in his victory. My son, you must know that we might die on this day. Yet as we marched ahead of our forces, we write our names in the Daosi. Long after Wagadu is buried under the sands of the Sahara, our names will be remembered in the epic. Take courage, for today we etch our names in the stone of time. Together we marched alone to meet our enemies. My son held two swords in the fashion of her elders. He etched for the glory of the day. I wore my shield and held a spear. On my back, I carried my loot. The enemy had grown tired and weary from battling us. As I approached them alone with my son, I sensed they were already afraid. Yet, 
there was no more food or water to be found in the desert. They attacked us because it meant their survival. Hunger gnawed at their stomachs with more fervor than fear at their hearts. They readied themselves and charged us. My son, full of youthful vigor, met them first, his two swords arced and wove between the men. Like a mongoose dancing around a snake, my son dodged the enemy's spears while striking his own with deadly precision. All around him, men fell bleeding like gazelles after the hunt. And then, the enemy set their eyes on me. I parried their blows with my shield and thrusted them with my spear. Soon, the enemy encircled us. My son and I fought back to back, spiraling like a tornado. We scattered all the enemies on their path and left a trail of bloody and dying men in their wake. We kept the pace for the length of the day. As the sun grew tired of the gore, my son and I were ready to collect the day's victory. Few men were left that were willing to fight us, and so we grew confident. With confidence, we became reckless. We separated and took two of the remaining group of men. My shield was effective at blocking blows and allowing me to force my way into a crowd, but my shield also blinded my vision. I did not see the men until it was too late. A man, his face a lattice of scars, furtive and with the wit of a fox, waited for me to lower my shield, to thrust his spear. He saw me when I could not see him, and his spear was sure to hit its mark. I slew the man standing in front of me and turned to meet my new opponent. In doing so, I lowered my shield. My son saw what was happening before I did, and in his youthful bravery, jumped to try to deflect the spear. Instead, the spear met him right in the heart. <gasps> the boy died before he could even know that death was coming for him. My heart tore itself within my chest, a pain so deep, so strong, overwhelmed me, and my vision faded into darkness. When I came back to myself, I stood on top a pile of fallen men. My loot was still tied fast to my back, and alone I collected today's victory, but my son, my poor boy, would not know today's glory. I picked him up and held him over my shoulder. I brought him back to her city while he bled on the loot. On that day, we had no celebration. We mourned my son and the tragedy of a child dying before his father. Every day after the death of my eldest, I would call on one of my sons to march ahead of her forces with me. Each time I did so, my son would fall in battle and his blood would trickle onto the loot as I carried his body home. Every night, the victories of the day 
were clouded by the grief of the night. At last, Wagadu rose against me. How many sons must you lose before you come to your senses? Wagadu's sight was short. They could not see that each of my sons would bask in the glory of praises from the Dowsi, my men who joined us in battle after we opened the fight. They too fell, and they too will be remembered. At last, my father summoned me. Ah, Gasir, my son, how vain are you to seek the glory of the Dowsi? I commend you to put an end to this nonsense and resume our campaign as we have always done. As I have always done, father. I do not recall your blade catching the sun or your shield casting a shadow on the battleground. Your insolence has been tolerated for long enough. If I was in my prime, I would beat you down in sword play and remind you of your place. You call on old age to avoid a duel, yet you are perfectly content to be an old and frail king. Tell me, father, when was the last time your head could support the weight of your crown? That is enough. I will overlook your disrespect, but you must make a choice. Toss aside your loot, and hold the banners of Wagadu, and all your insolence will be forgiven. Choose to loot, and you and yours will no longer call Wagadu your home. And so came the height of my vanity. I chose to loot, for what did gratitude of these insignificant people mean? when my name could be sung for the ages. I strapped my loot on my back, gathered my men, household, and all my belongings, and set out for the southern reaches of the Sahara. As I left the city gate, my men feared the Burtama would assault us out in the open. However, the Dowsi was writing itself. As we walked, the armies of the Burdama opened a long corridor, allowing us to pass through. The expression on their faces gave away the relief. No longer would they need to fight Gasir, for the Dowsi in their hearts remembered the power of my name. No long after we've passed through the Burdama armies, the Nomad launched a new attack on Wagadu. This time, King Anamba did not have me to shield the city, and soon afterwards, the city fell. The siege lasted only a few days. By then, myself and mine had put a great distance between us and Wagadu. The birds of the sky sang of the fall of the city, and it is through the winds howling that we heard of the death of King Anamba. As the last men of an ancient time moved on from this world. The loot strung his first court. 
and thus came to be my Daosi, the Daosi that caused the fall of Wagadu. Four times Wagadu rose, and four times Wagadu fell. Four times it taught strangers to fall under its spell. Four times it taught a lesson, four times with different themes. This tale is a caution of what a vain man can bring.